0: So good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning, and um, just really want to echo what Roy said. Thank you so much to the team, and um, just get a sense this morning that God has a message for us. Hopefully, be short, and um, but I really hope that it would be life-changing for us this morning. And uh, for those of you who joined us last week, you know that we've been tracking through a three-part series of our theme, Christmas changes everything. And uh, last week we looked at, well, why did things need to change? It's a good question, right? I don't know if you ever asked yourself that this morning. Why on earth do we do Christmas? I know some of us will say, well, it's a great time for gifts. Some of us are a great time to pick, on, pick up a few kgs and make uh, New Year's resolutions to appease our consciences. But why on earth was there such a thing as Christmas? And remember when I talk about Christmas this morning, it is the moment when the Son of God was born through the Virgin Mary, and in that second, something wonderful happened. And so, this morning, just to recap before we dive into our theme for this week, is that remember, the reason why Christmas changes everything is because we couldn't change things on ourselves or by ourselves. Is that we talked about this world as a history of failed restarts. And even God raising up men, some of you remember the Sunday school stories of Noah and the judges and Moses. God raised up men to help restart what he originally intended, and it all failed. And then we said last week, well, it was okay to talk about the failed restarts in scripture in the past, but actually, our lives are history. Of failed restarts. And I want to say this morning, by being a human being, simply being born a human, your life has regrets. There are family members you wish your relationship was better with. There are decisions you've made in your life that if I had to ask you this morning, honestly, you'd say, I wish I had never done that. And in actual fact, these failed restarts, these these moments when we say to ourselves, I've just, I promise I'm going to pull my socks up even more and get it right next time. These moments when we say, you know what, I promise, whether it's God, whether it's your spouse, whether it's somebody, a friend or a boss, or whether it's yourself, you go, I promise I will never do that again. I want to say to you this morning, if you're like me, the track record is one of failure. And it's not very long before the next day you're doing the very thing you swore you wouldn't do. My friend, that's a failed restart. And you know what that does in us? It creates shame. It creates shame with the ones that we wish we could have done better with. Some of us are fathers and mothers here who walk with tremendous shame because you feel like my dad has said to me that you didn't get it right. Some of us feel incredible shame this morning before God because you said you wouldn't do something or you have done something and you can't fix it. And what shame does is, shame makes us feel like we cannot approach, whether it be God, whether it be our fellow human beings, even ourselves, with a clear conscience. And you know what shame creates, church? Is guilt. And I want to say to you this morning the reason why Christmas changes everything. Is because we could not change ourselves. And the reason why Christmas is so profound is because God, who didn't have to do it at all, I have to emphasize it this morning God does not need us. God does not need our worship. God does not need our sweat or energy. The God of the universe has full relationship with the Father and Son. God is not lonely. He didn't save us to try and give, him com- give himself companionship. That's why there's the Trinity. God does not even need us to help him do what needs to be done. He commanded it, and in one word, creation was formed. He did not need to. But the wonder of Christmas, church, is this. He decided to anyway. And that is what unconditional love is. Unconditional love is when God looks upon humanity, you and me, when our performance is at its worst. Ephesians chapter 2 says, whilst we were dead in our trespasses, when God looks at us, when we were born, we are dead to Him. In what way? Not physically, but there is no relationship, there's no contact. And what unconditional love is, when we were born in that state... He said his love on us. He said in a decision, he wants you. He wants me. And so Christmas changes everything because Christmas is the moment that the world gets what it doesn't deserve. When the Father sets his love upon us by sending his Son to do what we could not do. And Jesus comes and he lives a life. You've heard me say this before, but we need to hear it over and over again. He came and he lived a life that we have been trying to live over and over. Those promises are saying, God, I'm going to get it right next time. Promising our wives, promising our children, promising our bosses. Those failed restarts that happen over and over again because of the power of sin. God the Father sends his sinless son Jesus into the world. And he doesn't fail once. Incredible. Not once. And the picture of his life is what God wants our lives to be. But it can't be because of the power of sin. And what Jesus does, is, church, it blows our minds that he didn't have to do this. He chose to set his love upon us by this. By bearing the penalty of what our failed restarts deserved. That's death. Not just death where we breathe our last on this life. But a death that is eternal—that's what the Bible calls hell. He did it. He bore that weight upon him upon the cross. And we said last week, and this is why I'm emphasizing it: we cannot talk about this week until last week's solid in our minds and in our hearts is that Jesus offers us a restart that only he can give. In other words, Christianity is not about pulling up your socks and trying to get it right in order for God to accept you. Christianity is saying, will I receive what God will only receive? And that is a salvation offered to you this morning in Jesus Christ. You can try and pull up your socks as much as you like. It will be categorized with failure. I can guarantee you. But Jesus offers you this morning a restart that you cannot earn. It's so radical that Jesus says it's literally a new birth. It's so radical. It's literally God wiping away the past, covering it with the blood of Jesus and saying, when I choose to deal with you, Rog, when God chooses to deal with you, he says, I will never remember. I will never throw back in your face those failed restarts. Never. And what's on offer is this. the second we come to put our faith in Jesus not our works our faith in Jesus the father promises to wipe the slate clean praise God that shame gone that guilt gone it is so radical the Bible says we are born again and in that moment God's desire and relationship with us moves from being a judge to a father. is that incredible? He says to you, Debbie, you're no longer someone in the witness stand that has to defend yourself before me. You're a daughter. Mark, you're a son. That's what's on offer. And Christmas changes everything because of the restart God offers. And this morning, I want to say to you, until you have come to that place where you are honest before God and say, I have failed. And I'm not going to try and pull my socks up to the level that you need because your socks can't pull that far. We have to be honest about ourselves. I'm going to say it again. Some of us come to church excusing sin by just being here. I want to say this morning, you cannot satiate the wrath of God against sin in any other way but Jesus. And I'm saying this, this to you this morning because Scripture is not just encouragement. It is a warning. And my job is a failure today if I say the change that you need is not just fixing the outside. The change that you need is a radical change of heart towards Jesus. And it starts where every single one of us have had to start. Honesty before God. Saying, you know what? Jesus, I'm not the man or woman that you need me to be. The second thing that we need is that we need a change of mind. That must go a step further, where we recognize not only our sinfulness, but we recognize that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no other way to the Father but in Him. And what that causes us to do is we must drive our need towards the one who can meet it. And that is called faith. Faith is where we move our confidence from being in ourselves and trying to earn a status where God says, well done or not. We move that confidence onto Jesus. You understand that? You with me this morning? That shift of confidence is faith. Until there is that shift in your heart of leaning on Jesus, not yourself, not trying to justify yourself, not trying to make yourself look prettier in the presence of God than than what you really are. The moment of change comes, the new birth comes, is when you shift your confidence from yourself onto the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And that faith is expressed as a cry in your heart of saying, Jesus, you are my only hope. That's it. We build our lives on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We do not trust our sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's the gospel. And if you're not there yet, you're not going to understand this week too well. And I want, you to, I want to say, if you are not there yet, you make it the sole goal of your life to settle it. Because that's all that matters. Because we don't know when Christmas is going to happen again. I.e., we don't know when Jesus is going to come again. And he's not going to come again as a little baby. He's going to come again as the Lord on clouds of glory. And he's going to ask one question. Who do you say that I am? What is the reason why I should let you into paradise, into heaven? And it's based on your response to him now. But he's not only the Savior who broke into that day, Christmas. He's not only the God who was. He is the God who is. And Jesus Christ breaks into our now. And the the, the thing that we need to watch against every Christmas when it comes around, kids, is that Christmas Day is not a Sunday school story that you're just relating to 2,000 years ago. Christmas Day changes our now, our present, right now, who we are, where we're going, what defines us. And so I want to fast track Christmas from being 2,000 years ago to Jesus Christ, not just breaking in then, but breaking in now. And really, the hope of the gospel is this. You've heard me mention, yes, it's forgiveness of sin and I hope that we get to go to be with Him in heaven one day. But it is more than that. It's not just a hope that is eternal. It is a hope for now. And this is the gospel. And I felt it for us this morning in that song, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. And I just got a sense this morning, some of us are struggling with some crisis or other and for us it could be a family crisis could be a potential job loss or unemployment it could be sickness it could be something that is shaking your very reality now in the now and the wonder of the gospel is this it's not just a past event that gives us a future hope it's that the gospel gives us jesus now and when Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us, it wasn't just the moment he came down in Christmas, it is Emmanuel for you and me today, that God is with us. And the wonder of this is that in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus says, if you will respond to him, the father and the son will come and make their home here in your heart, by the Holy Spirit. And the incredible reality of Christmas is this, is we get a Savior who doesn't just come once, but by faith comes and lives in us through the power of His Spirit. So for Owen, if you don't mind me saying, who's just beating off cancer, his reality is not just the past events of Jesus dying on the cross, his reality day by day receiving the grace of Jesus and the comfort of knowing God will never leave him nor forsake him. Some of us have the desperation of a child that you have no control over, and as much as you have counseled and advised, they have chosen decisions against that counsel, and you are watching their lives being destroyed by their own experiences, and you're saying, God, What am I going to do? Who am I going to appeal to you? I want to say to you this morning, Emmanuel, God is with you. God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you are going through a crisis where next year, financially, you don't know how you're going to come out pensioners, your business, your bosses come to you and say, you might be facing retrenchment, you might be facing old age, that you're knowing that your body is getting sicker and sicker, it is wearing out, awaiting for the future glory. I want to say to you this morning, the hope of Christmas is this. The wonder of Christmas is this. It's not that Jesus Christ died some 2,000 years ago, but it is Emmanuel now. God is with you. And so the hope of Christmas is this. The reality of Christmas is Jesus Christ breaks into, our now, oh, now. Oh no. For some of us, it's longing for a son or daughter to come to know Christ. I want to say to you, he hears not just the words you speak, but the groaning in your hearts. That's how close he is. The Father and the Son have made their home in you. And so, the wonder of Christmas, of Christ's coming, ushered in a relationship with God where he, he hears our every cry and holds our every tear but celebrates every ounce of goodness to you. And I want to carry on. And I wanted to unpack this morning a, a whole bunch of things about how Jesus broke into the world. But I want to land it In one last major thought and it is this that you need to know this morning church that Jesus didn't come just as the lamb gentle meek and mild to take away the sins of the world he came as the leader of a revolution and this morning you need to know that what Jesus teaches does not just usher in peace but ashes in conflict because Jesus Christ and what he teaches goes in a 180 degree direction opposite to what the world is. And this morning he taught amazing things like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We live in a culture where we see in our own lives, in our own businesses that we work in, in the own government sectors that we find, that people are really just out for themselves. And Jesus said, no, no, no. If you want to become a follower, disciple of me, I'm coming to change everything. And it starts with when somebody becomes a Christ follower, they take on an entire posture that is different to the world. And that is as radical as saying, the world puts themselves first. I'm calling you to put yourself last. Secondly, he says that the gospel is not for the rich. The gospel is not for the middle class. The gospel is for the poor. And unless you are able to identify spiritually with their poverty, that we have nothing that can buy our salvation, we cannot be saved. And Jesus says, in our posture as upper middle class and upper class citizens in this country, we tend to think the poor are a thorn in the flesh or an eyesore. Jesus says, my eye is on them. That my gospel is for the underdog and for those that are rejected in this world and despised. In actual fact, he says he chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He goes on to say, not only do we, is the gospel for the poor or for the underdog, it is that actual fact that every Christ follower is called to love their enemy and pray for those who despitefully use them. The world only knows one system, retaliation. We only know one natural posture, and that is revenge. And Jesus comes and says, in his revolutionary way of changing not only the offer of salvation to the world, but the world itself, he says, don't retaliate in the same way that the world does to you. Do you know how radical that is? Spouses, it means stepping down when your spouse is criticizing you and telling you that you're wrong and giving you a tough time. The response that Jesus calls us to is grace. Do you know how radical this is? That when somebody comes to you, bosses or colleagues, your managers, when they come to you and they've made a mistake, the posture is not one of slapping them over the head and saying, you're worthless and useless. The posture is, it's okay. We're going to get this right. But I'm not rejecting you. It's as radical as this it's being willing to forgive a son and daughter that has broken you, disappointed you, rejected you. It's been willing to forgive. And I want to say this morning, church, Jesus doesn't come to keep the status quo. He comes for change. And I want to say this morning, first and foremost, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Do not think that I have come to bring peace, but a sword. He's saying to you this morning, if you have not yet come to this place of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no neutral ground towards him either you believe or you don't either there's eternal life or hell either there is acceptance before the Father in Christ or rejection either you are alive in him or dead scripture says there is no middle ground it says no one comes to the Father but through him and I want to say this morning I'm not doing my job if you can feel like there is a middle ground because Jesus changes everything and I want to say to the believer this morning neither am I doing my job if I don't confront us afresh with what Jesus is after. He's not after here this morning for a smooth ride where you just get into heaven by the skin of your teeth but still stay in sin. <laughs> Friends, Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the enemy and part of that is rescuing us from sin. And that means, as Christ followers, he's gonna challenge us on our sinfulness. He's not gonna let us stay the same. And I'm selling you a short gospel a truncated gospel, a deformed gospel. If I say to you this morning, Jesus is only interested in your commitment so that you can get to heaven. No, no, he wants your life. And the great question I'm, I'm asking myself as your pastor and elder with Roger and Mark here this morning, the great question I'm asking myself is, am I looking any different from last Christmas? I'm going to ask it to you. Are you looking any different? Because if you're the same, And there's a problem because when Jesus steps into our world, he doesn't just rescue us from sin so that we can get to heaven, he rescues our behavior that is still sinful. And what he does is, he says, believer, you cannot be neutral towards me. You've received me as your Savior, but now you must receive me as your Lord. And every part of your life, I want dibs on. And the salvation that he offers is not just a salvation that gets us as an insurance policy into heaven, that we may wallow in our sin. A salvation, it is so full that he offers, that our past, our present, and our future, he wants to baptize in his character and in his goodness. And I'm willing to bet this morning that some of us, our Christian life is a troubled area because, like me, we tend to neglect it at times. And the Holy Spirit won't let us go. He won't give us a clear conscience. He won't let us carry on in sin. And we try to live two lives And I know what this is like. I'm not just preaching to you where we try and keep one foot in the world and one foot following Jesus. Jesus said this, no man can serve two masters, church. We cannot be neutral trying to entertain friendship with the world and friendship with with God. James says in chapter 4, chapter 5, he says, friendship with the world makes us enemies with God. And the challenge of Christmas is this, for the believer... We cannot be neutral towards Jesus and if Jesus is not confronting any sin in our lives I want to say to you this morning we've missed Christmas if Jesus is not confronting our love of our reputation so that when he asks us to be missional and put ourselves forward before family members and colleagues to share the gospel we haven't changed. And I want to say the outworking of Christmas is this. He confronts us as to how far we're willing to go for him. And Jesus confronts us not only in our sin, not in our reputation, but in our love of the world and the things in it. And I want to say to you this morning, the wonder of Christmas this year will be a fresh sense of surrender to him. Because what happens is this. The place of struggle and the place of an unclear conscience before God is really rooted in this, trying to serve two masters. Now I'm not saying that's easy. Can to say, who am I going to choose to follow? But I will say this. The second you decide, it's a heck of a lot easier. And Jesus said something you'll discover if you will this year come to a fresh place of saying, I serve one master. He says you'll discover this, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What happens is when we decide, Christians, whom we serve, we only have to please one master. We only have to consider one purpose playing out. We have to live only with one heart undivided. You know what the greatest sense of freedom is this, for the Christian? It's having a clear conscience before God. we daily, every day, In our hearts, as best as we know how, we've set ourselves apart for him. He is a jealous God. He doesn't like to share us with anybody. And this morning, I want to say afresh to us, we cannot be neutral towards our Savior and Lord. And I don't want us to leave this place without us looking, as James says, with a fresh reflection in the mirror saying, Jesus, where am I with you? And you know what the most amazing thing is this, and this is what the last point is, and this last big thought, is Jesus says this, he's not asking us, to place our confidence on our performance. I'm not saying today again. You might say, "Geez, man, this is terrible." You start off by saying, "I can't pull up my socks," and I'm saved by grace. But now that I am saved, I better make sure my performance is good. I know what you're thinking. No, no, no. Is this the reality for you and me? We live out our faith in a changing world changing emotions changing performance but we live out that faith on an unchanging savior and I want to say to you this morning you might like me go Lord there's a fresh place I've got to come to this year where I say these areas of my life I need you to take control And I need to submit to you afresh. But I'm doing it in the light of this, of his unchanging love towards us. And I want to say to you this morning, we return to him not because we're somehow deciding to up our performance. We return and live for him, picking ourselves up over and over because we know that he's unchanging towards us. so I don't want you to leave your feeling insecure in where you are with Jesus. I want you to leave this place knowing you can start from where you're at. Because he hasn't changed towards you. I'm going to say it one more time. There's work to be done, yes. But you're doing that on the basis of his work for you. Which is forgiveness, acceptance, the love of a father that is unconditional, bought with the blood of Jesus. And he's asking you to follow him this morning, not on the basis of whether you're in or out. No, no, no. He's asking you to follow him this morning on the basis that he's bought you, he owns you, you're his. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And so he's your master. You might say, well, that's tough. I don't want to live like that. I'm saying it's too late. If you're born again, you're born again. The restart's happened. You can't turn back. And I was thinking of that song in the car this morning. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow No turning back. Praise the Lord. No turning back. May have been 15 years of being on the run from the Lord. Who cares? He's still your father. You come back today. Maybe that you've slept with your girlfriend, or maybe you've done something awful where you feel so ashamed. Man, praise the Lord. He's still the same to you. You are saved by grace, and the Father, just like in the prodigal son, never stopped in his posture of openness towards the son and daughter. Because when you are saved, you're not saved on the basis of your works, but on the basis of Christ. And so he's calling you back today in him. In him. You're not earning it. You're responding to who you are. You have been bought. With the blood of Christ and so he's not going to let you go <laughs> he's going to fight you till the day you die saying I'm jealous for you you might want to go headlong in a certain sense he's saying I'm not gonna let you go you're mine I'm not sharing you with anybody you just come back to who you are this morning you say I'm so sorry Jesus he says it's fine it's paid for but I want you to come into what I have for you abandoned life church is finding a life devoted to him because you're living out who you are in him anyway. Let's pray. I cannot let you go this morning. I cannot let you go this morning. There is somebody here who has been neutral to Jesus. And the Father is calling you to the Son this morning. I just have felt it so strongly this morning. Jesus is calling you to him and to say, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is this morning? And I am pleading with you to respond to him. Don't leave this place until you have come to a place where you have settled it before the Lord, where you have found this place before him of brokenness, saying, I have failed, Jesus. I'm not gonna try and deny it anymore. I'm not gonna try and be somebody before others and before you that I'm not. I failed, I've sinned, and I need you to give me a fresh start. <laughs> I'm moving my confidence from myself this morning towards you, Jesus. I'm putting my trust in you and what you did for me in the cross, would you do that towards Jesus this morning? Give him your life. Say, as best as you know how, I don't want to be neutral towards you anymore. I want to live for you. I want that clean start. I want to be born again. That's for you. That's on offer for you this morning. But Father, for us as well, this is a message where you're calling us. You're calling us. Ridge, Jesus is calling us. He's our master. He's our Lord. To say it through thick and thin. The the mountaintop of the valley of the shadow of death, will you follow the shepherd? Will you trust him? Will you serve one master? And Lord, you know that each of our lives look different before you. So I just pray today, may we be sober, leaving this place. May we take some time, Lord, just to stop and go, God, where is it that you want me to surrender afresh? ways that you're wanting me to respond to this gospel work of you buying my whole life with your blood. Would you speak to us, we pray. We don't want to be a church that maintains the status quo. Christmas changes everything. We want to be changed, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.